You're listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn, where you'll find uplifting and practical advice for everyday living, creative inspiration for do-it-yourself projects, and recommendations for books and resources that will encourage you to embrace your life repurposed. I'm your host, Michelle Rayburn. Hey friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of Life Repurposed. If this is your first time here, welcome and thank you for checking out the show for the very first time. I have a Facebook community, so you might want to check that out and join in on some of the discussion there. I also have some free downloads and things that I give away on my website at michellerayburn.com, so you might want to check that out too. I have a guest today, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time giving a lot of backstory, but I'm going to be talking about some links and resources throughout the show as I talk with Heather. And so what I want you to do is make sure you go to the post that goes along with this episode, also called show notes. Look at michellerayburn.com slash 75, and you'll find links to everything we talk about in the show, including the books, the resources, and a freebie that my guest has for you today. So be sure to go there and get all of that. My guest today is Heather Creekmore. She's an author, she's a homeschool mom, she's a wife, she's a speaker, and she's a podcaster. I'm going to have her full bio in the show notes so you'll get to get a link to her website and see all the things that Heather does. She was also a contestant on the show Nailed It on Netflix. We're going to talk about that. But I want to tell you about Heather's heart. She's passionate about encouraging women to overcome their body image and comparison struggles. Heather believes that a lot of the self-focused solutions that are proposed by our culture don't align with the Bible, and so she tackles this topic from a gospel-centered perspective and provides answers that are grounded and supported with scriptural truth. I really appreciated that about our conversation. The other thing I really appreciated is that her heart is to encourage women. You'll find that she shares her story with a lot of authenticity, and she laughs a lot, which makes it a really fun interview. I love her energy. I love her joy. And so here's the interview with Heather Creekmore. Welcome to the show, Heather. I am so glad to have you on Life Repurposed. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I've had a lot of fun stalking you a little bit on the internet. (laughs) I've been looking at your website. I've looked at your social media. I found a link that talked about you having been on Netflix. So I went and watched a show. I found out that you are in the very first episode of season one of the show Nailed It. And also you're famous because the cake you baked on there is now used as a thumbnail for the show all over the place. So tell me about that. That's, that's right. My my red icing stained hand oh. <laughs> has probably been viewed by millions and millions <laughs> of people. So that is my claim to fame. This beautiful <laughs> but, leaning tower of a cake. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then just look for my red stained hand and you'll know it's me. But yes, that, you know, it's funny. It it was something that um, I never expected to be able to do. But I'll tell you, there's a God story here because it is one of those things that was a very hidden desire of my heart, not necessarily to go on a show for people that are failed bakers, <laughs> let me clarify that. But I've always loved Food Network. And I mean, I am like, I am a bear for all the bake-off competitions. I mean, even before Food Network existed, 
I would read the magazines about the Pillsbury Bake Off and read about the winners. Like I've just always had an affinity for that. But as you could see, I'm not an awesome baker. <laughs> so that was going to be really hard for God to pull off, <laughs> to find me an opportunity to be on a bake show. And yet, what a powerful God we serve, right? Because he found the perfect bake show for me. Um, and I just, I had a blast. It was a great time. Well, what I love about it is that just watching you on the show showed me something about your heart. First, you laughed right along with judges that were critiquing your sliding cake. And they, <laughs> it's funny, but they're pretty raw in how they, how they approach their comments yeah. or the facial expressions. They, I don't think they loved <laughs> Did, I don't think they loved the cake itself. Did they? No. Well, they they said it was they had never tasted warm cake before oh. or something along <laughs> okay. those lines. Yeah, yes, I remember and that I, now. <laughs> I thought it was starting a trend. Yes. I mean, I think weddings all over the country are going to start serving warm cake. I'm just waiting for it. It actually sounds good. <laughs> it does with a glass of milk. Yeah, you took the criticism so well, and so that showed something about your character. But also, this really ties into what you write about because you write about body image, and I'm wondering how does that work because. God has obviously done something in you because if you were really struggling with body image or what people say about you, I would imagine the criticism from judges, even on a show like Nailed It, would have crushed you. So tell us a little bit about the journey you've been on with body image and just seeing yourself in God's eyes. Absolutely. I'd love to. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know if there was ever a time when the judge's criticism of like a skill set that I was poor at would have crushed me. Mm. Uh, I think I've always been pretty able to kind of, you know, dissect <laughs> like my work or yeah. my hobbies or, you know, I've always been able to laugh at myself in some ways, but when it came to my appearance, when it came to my size, when it came to what I look like or what people thought of how I mm -hmm. looked, that's an area that um, what has been very tender, way too fragile to to touch mm. for decades. And what's interesting, and, and I'll answer your question, but I'll kind of tie back to to nailed it first. You know, I was I was I knew I was going to be on television, right? <laughs> I knew I was yeah. going to be on this show that was going to be recorded forever. And and after having struggled with body image for decades, my first response when I found out, and so I'll give you. Timeline, I think I found out the first week of May that we were going to be recording the first week of June. Mm. And so I had about a month to prepare. And let me tell you, the old Heather, the Heather that was deep in a body image struggle, probably would have not eaten mm. for that month, probably would have spent every waking hour shopping to find just the perfect thing to wear probably would have, if you look at my nails, I didn't even go get my nails done <laughs> before the show, but I would have, no, I think I had to get my roots done. <laughs> so I, I didn't throw all caution to the wind, but, um, but you know, I would have obsessed mm. over what am I going to look like on that show? And, um, and so that's really evidence of, of God setting me free mm -hmm. 
from that pressure. And so I was able to be there and, and not worry about whether or not like my legs looked fat or how I looked wearing that apron that I hadn't planned on wearing when I was thinking about my outfit, you know, all of how I looked when they put that gold baker's cap on me, if that made my face look fat, like all of those things mm-hmm. would have just absolutely drowned me, mm-hmm. um, in misery. And, and God set me free from that. So my journey begins in my, um, well, my journey with struggle begins in the third grade. Wow. And by middle school, I was dieting. I used slim fast. If my mom was on Weight Watchers, I was on Weight Watchers. By high school, I was trying to see how long I could go without eating. And what would normally happen is I'd be able to make it all day because I was a busy high school kid. And then I would get home from school having not eaten anything all day, maybe drank a diet soda at lunch. Um, but I would get home and I would just eat everything in sight. Mm-hmm. And then I would eat dinner regularly with my family because in my economy, I had already quote unquote blown it. Um, I'd already ruined it by eating and I'd eat dinner and then I'd go to bed and I would think I failed. I've done something wrong. I've messed up. And I would vow that the next day I would do better. But again, you know, our bodies, mm-hmm. our bodies talk to us. Mm-hmm. And I, it's, it's interesting for me now, decades later to just think about it from a, from a different perspective, but be like, wow, it's our bodies were created to run on food as fuel. And how crazy is it that I lived most of my life trying not to eat, yeah. trying not to fuel my body. Like you wouldn't do that to your car, right? right? Like you, you intellectually understand I'm not going to get to where mm-hmm. I need to go unless I fuel my car. But yet diet culture has been so pervasive in teaching women and girls that we are better off if we eat less or if we eat super strict and follow all the rules and following all those rules are what's going to make our life better because then we'll have this body that we will want and this body will bring us all the things, love, peace, joy, Mm -hmm. rest, all the things that, you know, that really a good body can't deliver. Right. (laughs) But, but I believed this lie for decades. Mm. And so when I got in my mid thirties, um, my husband was preparing to go into full-time ministry. He had, um, I married a Marine fighter pilot (laughs) and, um, and somehow ended up being a pastor's (laughs) wife. (laughs) And, um, and so he was preparing to go into ministry and listening to lots of teaching. He was a, he was, he had only been a believer for about maybe five or six years at this point. So he was a newer believer. I was raised in the church and, um, and I was listening to some of the teaching that he was listening to, which was unfamiliar to me. And I started to hear a gentleman named Tim Keller talk about idols. And I, I always believed that an idol was like the statue Mm -hmm. that you see, you know, of Buddha when you go into the Chinese restaurant, like Mm -hmm. that was an idol to me. And I knew I didn't have an idolatry problem because we had none of those. And in fact, growing up, my mom would not let us have a garden gnome just in case (laughs) that was an idol. Okay. So I knew I was idol free. Um, but, but Keller talked about idols in a way that just really stunned me. And I, learned that, that I had created an idol out of, of something that I didn't even know an idol could be Mm -hmm. created out of. Wow. I feel like you're telling pieces of my own story because my battle with body image started about that same age. And it was because of somebody saying something at school Mm. or me not fitting into the same clothes that my much thinner cousin did. And so I couldn't wear her hand-me-downs. So I think that struggle is familiar to listeners as well. 
one of the things I've noticed that God has changed in me over time is that I don't care. You can take one take of a photo and I'm okay with it. However you post it on mm-hmm. social media. I remember when it used to devastate me when I would see photos that other people yeah. put up. I'd like to know more about your journey of how you came to a place where that changed. This is going to air the second week of January, and this is the month when everybody's talking about weight loss. So I think it's appropriate for us to think about mindset. So let's talk about how that change came about. How did you change your mindset? Absolutely. And and I will, I'm quick to warn that there wasn't a switch that flipped overnight. Mm-hmm. And I woke up one morning and I didn't care what the scale said. And I didn't care what the mirror said that that would be completely untrue. Right. There's still moments um, where we all care, even when we're in a good place, I think. Right. And, and really, well, I won't go there yet. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me answer your question first and then I'll go there. Um, so, so really for me to kind of flesh out my background, even a little bit more, I, I was so fixated on fixing this body image problem that I became a fitness instructor because I was sure as a woman who started working out, you know, I kind of dabbled with running a little bit, but I run, I run like a wounded duck. Okay. <laughs> I am a horrible runner. Okay. Like it's not pretty. I threw up after one 5k race. That's the only 5k I ever did. No one throws up after a 5k. You throw up after a marathon, but no, my body was like a 5k. Whoa, that's way too much for you. I'm the only person throwing up there. It was totally embarrassing, but, but so I, I dabbled in exercise a little bit. But as I started going to the gym, when I got my first job, I worked on Capitol Hill uh, right out of college and I I opened a gym right around the corner from my house and I started going to the gym at night. And what I felt inside was, ooh, if I could just be like one of those gym people, then I wouldn't struggle. Mm. Then I wouldn't have all of this like dialogue because it's constant chatter in your head. The constant like, oh, don't eat that. You mm-hmm. should eat that. Uh, oh, don't, don't do this. Oh, you need to go exercise to burn that off. Uh, oh, it's donut day. Don't eat the donuts. Don't eat the donuts. Oh, I ate the donut. Uh, should I just go ahead and have another one because I already ate one? You know, mm-hmm. all of that chatter consumed me. And so I was sure that if I could just be one of those fitness people, then the chatter would silence. And so I, I had another, like, like I said, I had a job on Capitol Hill. I ended up pursuing a master's degree in public policy and political management. Like I had these all consuming jobs. I was a campaign manager. I, you know, like worked 50 hours a week and all I cared about was, could I become a fitness instructor someday to (laughs) help all these body image issues? And so I did. I stepped out of politics and then finally had a little bit more time. Um, But I I was working as vice president of a nonprofit organization, still had a pretty decent job that consumed a lot of hours. But what I really cared about was, could I be a fitness instructor? And I went and I taught my first kickboxing class. And I can tell you that I vividly remember standing in front of that room looking around and there I am the one with instructor on her shirt and the headset mic. I'm in charge. I've made it. And I looked around that room and I thought, wow, she's still got a better body than I do. She's in better shape than I am. Wow. I don't deserve to be up here teaching the class. She's actually so much more fit than I am. And I didn't fix it. And so then I was at a little bit of a crisis point, right? Because 
this was my card to play. This was what was going to fix my problem. And like I said, I was raised in the church. So I knew the God and Jesus answer. Mm -hmm. I thought I had that. I thought I had that taken care of. So I had to fix it in these other ways. Well, I was still single. So duh, that was the problem. Mm -hmm. I realized, oh, if I could just get married, then I wouldn't struggle anymore. Mm -hmm. And I had a string of horrible relationships. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think any of my ex-boyfriends are listening. (laughs) They're in my 20s. Um, And at age 30, a friend and I, we were turning 30 and we decided we would go any harmony and we wouldn't tell anyone <laughs> if it didn't work out. Because back then, I'm in my late 40s now, back then it was not quite as commonly right. accepted as it is now. And um, and I ended up meeting this Marine fighter pilot and we were married within about a year and a half. And again, I can tell you, I remember we, we got married in Washington, D.C. and we stayed in a... a one of the historic hotels in downtown DC on our wedding night and the hotel rooms, old, old hotel rooms are very small. Right. (laughs) And I remember sitting up in bed the morning after my wedding and I could see myself in the mirror. Um, and I remember thinking that didn't work. Mm. Like nothing's changed. I still feel the same. I'm married now. I had a man put his stamp of approval Mm -hmm. on me, right? I've got a ring on it all the things. Mm -hmm. And I still am not sure that I feel good enough. I still am not confident with this body I'm in. I still, I don't, I don't know what to do with all this. And so we had a rough go Mm -hmm. those first few months of marriage, really the first year of marriage, um, because I ended up getting pregnant about three months in, um, we had a rough go because I really expected my husband to fix Mm -hmm. it for me. I was angry with him a lot for not quote unquote, affirming me correctly. I thought he needed to do it better. (laughs) Um, And if he just did it better, then I would feel better. And so obviously this was all his fault because he was supposed to fix it for me. And so when he fast forward, I, I, I did also believe falsely that maybe having a child would help because I thought moms were people that were all consumed with keeping their kids alive. And that maybe if I used all that mental space to do something productive, like having a child and raising a child, then I wouldn't obsess over what the skill said. Um, and that didn't work either. I mean, pregnancy is never great for, well, for most women, right. pregnancy is not an awesome time for your body. Uh, neither and is post-pregnancy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, and then, so we're kind of type A overachievers. So we had four kids in just over four years. Um, so I spent, after that first baby, I spent the next four years pregnant or breastfeeding. Mm pretty much nonstop. And there were no twins in there. So it was one after the other. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so it was, but it was about that time at the end of all that, that, that got interrupted. Um, my regularly scheduled programming, I like to say, and, and showed me that, yeah, even though I thought I knew I had the God and Jesus thing all tied up, um, I was serving an idol. Mm. I was, I was really, uh, well, I'll, I'll use a quote that I love to use when I speak and it's, um, it's old. It's like from the 1600s. Um, but it goes, what you think about in your solitude is your religion. Mm. And as I internalized that concept, I realized what I thought about when I was alone was how I could make my body look more like those bodies Mm. I saw on television or on the magazine cover. That's 
what I meditated on. That's what I, you know, was focused on. And really that's what the hope of my salvation was. Mm -hmm. If I could just get plucked out of the crowd for one of those makeover shows and they could do my makeup, Mm -hmm. like awesome and dress me (laughs) awesome and get my hair the way it should be for my face and all those things. Like that was, that was salvation. Mm -hmm. That was freedom. That was going to be my path to everything I wanted. And, and really, so I had turned my heart and my affections away from serving Jesus and onto serving this idol that was telling Mm me more beauty, a better body. That's what's going to give you everything you crave. And the truth is it was a lie, right? Because I, I had gone, I had been every number on the scale and I, our, my wedding day, I had never seen a number that small, not since like seventh grade, you know, because I did all the dieting and all the things. I think I was only eating salmon and cantaloupe for two months before <laughs> my wedding. That's how crazy I was. Okay. So my wedding day, I was there. I had that quote unquote body. I was teaching aerobics at the time. I mean, I was fit and I never I, I felt miserable. Mm. I mean, I look at pictures from my honeymoon and I remember how miserable I felt, how unsure I felt, how insecure I mm-hmm. felt. And I look at that woman and I'm like, wow, she was like really thin <laughs> and in great shape. <laughs> and it's to- but it's a total disconnect. Mm-hmm. What we believe about our bodies and what our bodies actually look like, they those are two very different right. things. And body image issues are really, you know, psychologists will tell you that they're an issue of the mind. And I do believe that. Mm-hmm. certainly, but they're also an issue of the heart. Yeah. And, and if, if you're a believer, I think there's hard work that has to be done if you ever want to be free. So often the solution is more positivity or more self-affirmations. And I also have found that those are empty because I have to keep generating that from somewhere inside of me. And the true transformation comes when it's completely generated by a transformation God makes. And so I'd like to hear more about that because how do you set aside those idols? How do you lay them down for the person who's listening? What's their next step? Yeah. Well, okay. The next step is always the biblical prescription, right? If you sin, what do you do? You confess Mm -hmm. your sins and good news. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Right? So that's the good news. And and I believe that finding out that you might have some sin in your body image struggle is truly good news because so many of us have learned that it's just part of being female, Mm -hmm. right? It's just, well, you're a woman, you're going to struggle with this because that's your, (laughs) that's your gender. That's what's going to (laughs) happen. Right. And, and, but it's not true. It's absolutely not true. There's no like promise in the Bible that if you're female, you, <laughs> you, there's promise of struggle, but there's not promise of this specific struggle. Right. Mm-hmm. So I do, I think that recognizing that there is a sin root here and then following the biblical prescription of confessing it is step one. But then beyond that, I think there's so much cultural noise that we've absorbed over our lifetimes on this. I mean, I don't know about you, but the number of like 10 ways to improve your body image, like, you know, 10 ways to feel better about yourself. Like the number of those articles that I've read used to be in magazines. Now it's online. I mean, like all this stuff is in there, right? Just like with the food rules, if you're a chronic dieter, like it's all these things are in there. And so reprogramming your mind, transforming your mind with the word of God, instead of these rules is a process. But one example that I love to use um, is is the example. And and so listeners are going to have to just kind of 
picture with me that you're holding a mirror in front of your face. Okay. And so all of those articles will tell you, like, if there's a part of you that you don't like, when you look in the mirror, you just focus more on the part of you that you do like. Mm. So for example, if you don't like your nose, I've never particularly liked my nose. If you don't like your nose, instead of looking at your nose, when you look in the mirror, you look at something you do like, like your eyebrows, for example. Okay. So it's like, oh, you look in the mirror, (laughs) just look at, look at what you like, right? That's the advice that you get. Right. And so what that advice is supposed to lead to is you look in that mirror, you're only seeing the thing you like, and then sigh. Oh, okay. I'm good with that. I'm good with me. I feel good about myself. I can go out into the world confident about my great eyebrows. (laughs) But then what happens? You go out into the world confident about your great eyebrows, and then you see someone with better eyebrows. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm obviously being silly with the eyebrows illustration, but but that's, I think, really that this whole thing is silly (laughs) because we go out into the world thinking we can be confident in this one body part that we feel good about. Mm -hmm. And that only lasts until you meet someone who has a better body part, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, better body part than you. And then your confidence is shattered. Mm -hmm. It's it's shallow. There's no, there's no security in that. And so what I think we have to do. So listeners, if you'll just picture your mirror with me again, instead of staring in that mirror longer and harder to find something you love about yourself and try to love your body, all those things. I don't think that's what God asks. I think what he asked is that we, I'm going to give you a sound effect here that we tilt that mirror up, Mm. right? Because really as believers and followers of Jesus, our role and responsibility here on this earth is to reflect him, right? Not, not to be as hot as possible. So (laughs) people are like, Ooh, she's hot. I want to be a Christian too. Okay. It doesn't really work that way. Um, no, our, we're supposed to be reflecting Christ. You know, we talk about, um, taking care of the temple. But I think way too often in the church, we turn that into, we have to have hot temples. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> and that's, th- no, the temple is useful for what? For worshiping, mm-hmm. for serving God. The temple has a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and if we're trying to be hot so we can get more attention for our temple, more glory for our temple, we're robbing God of yeah. that glory. That's not what he's asked us to do. Yeah, that's a really good perspective. The reflection part changes everything because it then becomes about the characteristics of Jesus and reflecting those. I know you've written about those, so really soon I want to talk about your resources. But I'd like to have you tell us what brings you hope now. Because hope is all of I want my listeners to really grasp the idea of hope. So where do you get your hope? So I love that you asked me this question because hope is something that God has really been talking to my heart about over the last year. And I write about this a little bit in my new book, The Burden of Better. But there's that verse, Romans 5, 5, and the New Living Translation puts it this way, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. And the hope that Paul is talking about, obviously, is hope in Jesus, right? <laughs> but But I started processing like, hope that doesn't lead to disappointment. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I, I consider myself someone who has suffered from what I call CDD chronic disappointment disorder. (laughs) Like I have such high expectations and I, I feel like severe letdown all the time because my expectations are not met. And it's, it's been over and over and over again in my life. And as God was showing me, like, this is the kind of hope 
that this is the only kind of hope really that that will never disappoint mm-hmm. us, right? The only kind of hope we can have is, is in him. And that is like rock solid, so secure, never no, a foundation that will never change. And so if we put our hope in, this is a new year, I'm going to lose that 30 pounds. I'm going to, you know, get fit. If we put our hope in all of that, oh, we can still be disappointed. You know, we could suffer a health issue and not, not be able to exercise like we thought we would, or we're suffer a health issue and not be able to eat like we thought mm-hmm. we would, right? Like we can make all these plans. So we're going to remodel our home this year. And my hope is in having a fantastic home to have people over. And then COVID happens mm-hmm. and, you know, we can't have contractors in and we can't have people over anyway. So it doesn't really matter, <laughs> you know, those sorts of things. So all of these places, oh, you know, my hope is in, in a better marriage or in, in, better parenting. And not that those things are bad. Again, like it's good to have health goals. Yeah. Great to improve your marriage. Great to become a better mom. There's nothing wrong with those things, but when we put our hope in them, oh, how often we're disappointed. But when our hope is in Christ alone, he will never disappoint. That's perfect. That is so, it's just the perfect example of what life repurposed is. It's changing our perspective, changing the direction and focusing on that truth, focusing on the promises of God. This world promises us nothing. I would like to talk about the resources that you have. So let's shift into talking about that. Heather has several resources to share with us. Let's first talk about your writing. I know you just released a new book. So tell us about that and a little bit about your first book too. Sure. Well, I released my first book called Compared to Who uh, back in 2017, and it is really my body image journey. So if one of your listeners is struggling with body image, like that's a place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk like in very real, as you may have noticed, like I'm I'm pretty straightforward and <laughs> keep a lot of secrets, uh, which maybe I need to do better at, (laughs) but I'm pretty authentic. So I share, I share the raw, you know, like all of the silly things I have done to try to improve what I looked like. Um, but in there, I also kind of, I share the path that God took me on to find freedom, um, from, from really just body image obsession Mm -hmm. is really what it was. Um, and so that's my first book. And then because that book was titled Compared to Who, I had a lot of people say, oh, that's a book on comparison. And I'd be like, well, no, not really. It's kind of about body image. And well, where's your book on comparison? Oh, well, I haven't written that yet. And so a few years ago, I felt like that was going to be my second book that, you know, that I was going to write about comparison. But I'll be honest with you, I sat down and I was like, ooh, what do you, I don't know. Do I know what the answer to stop comparing is? Like, that's a hard one. And so um, my second book called The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to um, leads to Grace, Peace, Leads to Peace, Joy, and Rest. I should know my subtitle. <laughs> but um, but I, I wrote that book a few years ago. And really, as I was digging into scripture and praying about, okay, God, what what do I tell women the way out of comparison is? I really felt like he led me to an in-depth study of his grace and how most of my life, even though I was raised in church, Christian schools, all the things, 
I had a shallow understanding of God's grace. And so I talk about the struggle of comparison. I'm an anti-cliche person. Um, so I hate the whole, like comparison is the thief of joy. Okay. Yes, that's true. <laughs> but what do you do about it? Right? Like, right. you know, that quote, but what do you do about it? Or don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlights reel. Okay. True. But what if I've seen your behind the scenes and my behind the scenes and your behind the scenes is still better than my behind the scenes. Then what do I do? Like that hasn't really cured my comparison. Right. Problem. That's so true. Yeah. So, so I feel like we need to go deeper than these cliches that we plaster all over Instagram and like, let's dig into this issue. I mean, all issues I believe have a spiritual root, mm -hmm. right? At the, at the bottom of, of most things we struggle with is a, a mm -hmm. wrestling match over what are we going to treasure? What are we going to believe? Where are we going to find our identity? Um, and, and what, what do we really want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think when, when I was able to dig into those questions as it related to comparison, God kept bringing me back to grace. And so the book um, talks about comparison. And then the second part of the book, I just do a deep dive into four different kinds of grace that are manifested mm -hmm. in our lives every day. Um, and, um, and then I also talk about gratitude mm -hmm. because I know there's a lot of talk about gratitude nowadays, mm -hmm. but I, there's, there's a direct connection and lots of science, lots mm -hmm. of good research out there showing how being a grateful person really does, it cures disease. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, there's research out there just, you know, that's just mind boggling, but, but if you're stuck in comparison, gratitude is a part of the solution mm -hmm. out. And so I talk about that as well. I'm on video. Our listeners are not, and you probably can't see the chalkboard over my shoulder, but in my office here, it says grace and gratitude. Awesome. It's a reminder yeah. that I need daily. I need to have grace, not only for myself, but for other people, because I'm a perfectionist. And so I get annoyed if people mm -hmm. don't do things right. I'm an Enneagram yeah. one. So that's a natural thing okay. with that, I guess. People don't all know what yeah. the Enneagram is. That's another episode. But yeah, I need to have grace and gratitude to the Lord, but also for other people. So it's become mm -hmm. my daily reminder of how I need to live life. Yes. So you have several, like I said, several resources. We're going to talk about those. If listeners are trying to find those, I'm going to have links to Heather's book, her website, her podcast, all at um, the show notes for episode 75. So that is michellerayburn.com slash 75. And so you'll be able to find that. So Heather, you also have a podcast called Compared to Who?, and I'd like to That's know a little right. bit about that because if people are listening right now, it means they're podcast listeners, so they might want to add yours to their playlist. <laughs> That's true. Yes. Well, um, the first couple seasons, it's mostly me telling my story. In fact, um, if you're an audiobook kind of person, I I don't have audio versions of my books, unfortunately. My publisher did not do that. But I do read the first chapter of my book. I think it's the last episode of season one. So the first couple of seasons, it's it's me kind of sharing my story and giving encouragement about different things that I've learned through my journey with body image issues and comparison issues. And then um, starting in season three, I started doing interviews because I finally figured out the technology to do <laughs> that. <laughs> and so um, so I'm talking to I'm talking to women season three, I'm talking to women who are just want to share their story who've struggled with this stuff and I talk to author friends and um and experts on the topics so yeah I have a good time over there I I did radio in college and so this is like Natural. super fun to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so that's it's my happy place yeah that's fun so the other resource you mentioned 
on a podcast episode I listened to recently was one called Walk to Lose the Weight of Comparison. Yes. So I am a walker. Okay. I used to be a runner and a boxer and a spinner and all those things. And then 40-ish came and now I'm a walker. Me too. I walk 5Ks. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I stay away from all things that are like billed as competitive uh, walking or running events because <laughs> <laughs> because of my bad experience. But um, but yeah, so I and I and I used to be a fitness instructor, like I said, and so I thought it would be fun. Um, I had done a couple like guided walks um, that were focused on fitness, but I thought you know wouldn't it be fun to do a guided walk that actually like taught women some truth about, you know, their struggle with comparison and maybe gave them an opportunity while they're walking to process um, some of what's going on in their heart. So it's kind of like devotional mm-hmm. and walk time all in one. Nice. Um, and um, so it's available on my website. Uh, it's right there on the front page of my website, um, Walking with the Truth. And, you know, I haven't gotten a ton of feedback. I've gotten a little bit of feedback that it's gone, that people have liked it. So I may start to do more of those. I'm just kind of praying about yeah. whether or not that's the direction God wants me to go in. All right. Well, uh, we'll send people to your website. What is your website in case they don't get it from the show notes? Sure. It's compared to who.me. All right. So be able to go to there. who.me. All right. That's great. Heather, as we wrap up, what would you like to leave with my listeners today? Oh, man, I would love to just encourage anyone listening that it's the beginning of a new year. And this is the time when when we do think about what's ahead, what we really want, right? What we want for our year, but we also kind of take pause and think about what do we want for, for our lives? Like, where are we going? And, and that's hard in a season like we're in right now. It's political, like crazy and, you know, COVID and all the things it just, everything feels so uncertain. Um, but I would encourage you if, if body image, if constant comparison, if you find yourself just doing the scroll and feeling lousy day after day, like I'd encourage you, like make this a priority this year. Like there is a way out. There is great hope and it's in Jesus. It's not in in fitting into the certain size jeans or in getting the home of your dreams. It's in Christ alone. And if, and I'll be honest, like if I had heard someone tell me that answer when I was in the depths of my struggle, Mm -hmm. I probably would have been like, yeah, okay. I know the guy. Yeah, sure lady. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. You make it sound so easy, but yet it sounds so amorphous at the same time. But um, but take it one step at a time and start to dig in there because I do believe that that God is more than willing to help set us free from these issues if we'll just take a step back, examine what's really at the root of them, mm-hmm. and I'm going to start to pursue him. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate you sharing your heart. Get Heather's book if you are looking for some extra resources, because it's always inspiring to hear someone else's story. Their journey can inspire you, and I know Heather's has inspired me. So thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. You've been listening to Life Repurposed with Michelle Rayburn. Check out tips, resources, and inspiration at michellerayburn.com. I'd love it if you would subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. I'd also love it if you would like, review, and share the information about this podcast with your friends. Thank you so much for listening.